You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And bringing you tonight's episode is SeatGeek. Our friends over at SeatGeek have been with us forever. They're through us. They're with us and through the thick and thin. They're here as the Bucks lose 96-89. And they still have a promo code for you. It's L-O-N-B-A. Again, that's L-O-N-B-A. For Lockdown NBA, use that for a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. Tonight would not have been the best night to use that. Well, maybe it was. It was super cool, uh, but the result was not super cool. Bucks lose 96-89 to the Boston Celtics. Frank, I did not enjoy watching that. No, it. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty ugly game offensively, actually, for both teams. Neither team cracked 100 in terms of points Hundred points per hundred possessions. Um, it's going to help the Bucks defensive rating. <laughs> yeah, great. I think everybody's really excited about that. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, it'd be nice if the Bucks defensive rating could improve in games where their offense actually vaguely had a pulse and did stuff. But um, you know, I thought Boston had a good game plan, and the Bucks basically couldn't figure out a way to solve them. And um, Giannis struggled mightily to a 20.10 rebound, seven assists, three steal, one block, 58% true shooting night, which um, was his worst game of the year. And good God, is his worst game of the year still pretty damn amazing. Um, it would have so, looked worse, we must know, without the two garbage time threes. Yeah, well, I mean... But again, you have to the, count them. I understand. The last, and the last one could have made it, what, a four or five point game, I think in the final minute. Five, so, I think, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, it's kind of one of those things that hopefully him, you know, being able to shoot those threes with sort of nothing to lose late in the game and hitting a couple, um, you know, hopefully that kind of makes, makes him maybe take some of the pressure off. Cause it, it's interesting. It seems like almost early in the season, like he hasn't needed to shoot threes at all. Yeah. And teams, you know, haven't had, haven't had any answer for him going inside. So, um, it's almost like, oh, what am I doing out here? Oh, I guess I'll shoot a three. And then, you know, he's been missing. So it's it's a little, I don't know, it's been a little weird because obviously his confidence should be sky high. But um, confidence is sort of department, you know, compartmentable. Um, and uh, and obviously it hasn't really been there from the outside yet. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Giannis was still ex- excellent in terms of overall productivity tonight. But, um, you know, I, I talked last night when, when John Corrales and I were talking, I said, you know, I would put Al Horford on, on Giannis and, um, see if Horford's size and length could, you know, maybe be the answer to Giannis's bully ball that he's been able to do. And, um, unfortunately, you know, I think that was largely correct tonight and, and Horford was great offensively as well, hitting 11 out of 14. I mean, he was really the one guy 
that the Celtics had who who just always seemed to hit big shots. You know, Kyrie yep. also played certainly much better than than in the first game. But, um, you know, Horford was really the guy that that uh, turned the screws tonight. And uh, and that was the case on both ends. And, you know, again, not that, you know, there are tons of Al Horfords out there and not that they even really shut Giannis down per se. But um, certainly uh, what he was able to do, I think, on both ends was was the story of the game tonight for me. Yeah. One hundred percent. Horford, I think I mentioned it during the game on Twitter. Horford attacked Giannis in a way defensively that people just haven't done. He was he's very physical. He was denying him um, when possible. He was covering him all the way out to the three point line. So those times where Giannis would kind of reset and step back, and so often this year we've seen teams stick around the free throw line. Horford was at. It was at the three-point line, and a lot of the times it was really difficult for Giannis to kind of get ahead of steam going, um, where in the past it would be 10 to 15, maybe even 20 feet of a head start. He could Euro-step around somebody. He could uh, make a move. He, he could kind of go side to side, and Horford just kind of never really let him start his triple jump. Um, he, he never really gave him that track to get to the Euro steps, to, to get to all that. And obviously we saw Giannis counter that by taking some pull-up jumpers, and uh, he was able to hit a number of those. But uh, there I, there was very few easy baskets for Giannis, and um, I, I don't think I would have said that at all in the first four games. I think throughout each of those, there was some easy baskets for Giannis to have, and those just weren't there tonight. Uh, so, like you said, I don't think there's a there's going to be a ton of Al Horfords out there. I don't know if the Celtics necessarily solved the riddle and everyone's going to be able to, well, I mean, 28, 10, and 7. I don't know if you really hold him to that. Um, but it, I guess for the extent, uh, or I guess for this conversation and what he's done thus far, that is holding him down. Um, so I, I don't know if there's an answer. And I don't know, again, not everyone's going to have an Al Horford that can do all of that, but I thought defensively he did a really nice job. And, again, I think it was the same thing as the Celtics game, or excuse me, as the Cavaliers game this year, where everyone circles like, oh, the fourth quarter was so bad. Nope, lost that one in the third quarter. Uh, Al Horford, those two corner threes, that was that to me. Uh, like That was the game. At that, at that point, the Bucks just weren't recovering from it. There was They certainly got it back. Uh, within striking distance throughout that, but uh, I really thought those two threes back to back were just backbreakers. And uh, Kyrie created the one of them where he shook Delhi, then he shook Thon, uh, and then Middleton thought he was going to be able to jump the passing lane, and Kyrie got it past him in a wide open three for Horford. And yeah, it was it was just a uh, it was a backbreaker. Well, I mean the. Didn't the Bucks trail by more, as much or more, going into the fourth quarter of the first game? I mean, they were down. Yeah. I mean, they were down only a point, and then they just blow a coverage on Horford with a half second left in the quarter, let him go up yeah. basically uncontested. I think there was a switch. I was I said on Twitter like, why you know why is DeAndre Liggins checking Horford when they had brought in Giannis specifically for the last play? Um, I I don't I didn't see a replay. I just saw him go up. Somebody told me that that there might have been a switch. You know, and Liggins was mm-hmm. stuck on him. Either way. You're giving up an alley oop, you know, in the Literally in the, the pop up zone, 
yeah, in in the pop up zone as uh, as Johnny you know Mac. on a mecca night, we got to give Johnny Mac a shout out. Um, you know, literally the only way that that you'd be able to get a high percentage shot, and and you give that up to Horford, a clean look, he banks it in, and the Celtics take that seventy two sixty nine lead into the fourth quarter. And yeah, I mean the Celtics just they just did a good job, kind of walling off um, Giannis's kind of attack angles and kind of making life hard and. Horford is too big for Giannis to just bully like he has, you know, a lot of the wings that he's played against. And, um, you know, we saw Giannis get loose uh, in transition a number of times. Um, You know, interesting, we talked about how few transition points or at least, you know, official quote unquote fast break points the Bucs have had to the season to date. You know, I think it was like six and a half points or something like that, a game, something tiny like that, about half of less than half of what they had last year on average. Um, but their defense has only given up like three per game. So um, they've been just as good um, tonight. Very different story. 15 fast rate points for the Bucks, 13 uh, for the Celtics. So kind of a more of a normal storyline there. Um, but even so, I mean, did Giannis, did Giannis actually have a dunk tonight? He obviously almost murdered Aaron Baines, but I feel like, the most eye-popping play he had or the one that people are going to remember is him getting fouled on a dunk attempt, not actually completing a dunk. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to remember if he actually had hmm. a dunk tonight. Um, maybe he had one, but um, for the most part, you know, he really had to work for it. And, you know, it was funny. I know you were obviously at the game. I was watching on TV and um, Charles Barkley at halftime was going on about how the Bucks need to get Giannis easy baskets and he should be getting lots of fast break baskets. And it was kind of like, I mean, people were joking. I forget who somebody said on Twitter. It's like you can tell Chuck like watches the first half of basketball that he's watched of the Bucks this year. Yeah. Um, but by the same token, like there is something to be said for the fact that Giannis increasingly this year is having to manufacture all his own easy buckets. You know, like yeah. he's he's because he's on the ball all the time. He's getting a lot fewer you know opportunities to just cut and you know be the be the guy on the fast break who trails and, and gets it. You know, I mean he is the engine of the fast break. He doesn't really have guys who are good at running with him. So um I think there is a little bit to that, you know, even if maybe it's rooted in in Barkley not paying attention and not really knowing what he's talking about. Um, you know, the Bucks and and it's also like, well, yeah, they don't they don't get him tons of easy dunks. It's like, I mean if there was a button to do that, they probably would. <laughs> it's like every time, every time Giannis gets the ball, he's pushing it in transition. It's not like Giannis is walking the ball off the court, or they're not looking for him every time they get a rebound or whatever. Um, so I, I don't know. That that kind of was a little bit like, well, yeah, you should get more easy baskets. Great, thanks, thumbs up, great idea. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, things came came tough for the Bucks tonight, and they do end up winning the battle. The the points of the paint, thirty eight to twenty eight. Uh, but you know, again, a low, low end for them. Interesting how few points in the paint they gave up. That's now, I think three straight games now that they've allowed, um, I want to say like 32 or fewer. I think, uh, they gave up only what 26 or something like that to the Blazers. And, and I think just low thirties, I want to say, or mid thirties to, uh, the Hornets. So, you know, that at least has been papered over a little bit. Boston goes 11 of 30 from three, which is isn't crazy good. Um, you know, they got up a little bit above sort of an average, you know, the Bucks average in terms of three pointers allowed, but didn't hit a crazy percentage. But as you said, Horford was really the difference maker. He hit four out of five and, you know, nobody else was crazy good. Curving only took four, hit two. Um, Kyrie only also only had two free throws. So, um, so yeah, it, it was tough because defensively, you know, again, whether a lot of it, a lot of it might've been luck, but, uh, the Bucks, 
had a chance to win this game because Boston again was was actually pretty below average offensively in terms of efficiency. So um, so it's tough because just feeling like you know you really your offense just didn't give you a chance to win tonight. Yeah, the Bucks offense was was not pretty tonight, and it didn't give them a chance to win. But hopefully, there was no point in which you thought you didn't have a chance to get a great deal at SeatGeek because there's always a great deal there. It's incredibly easy. The app is incredible. All you have to do is just download it, and then you get to see all of the great deals, all the great tickets, all of the great seats. And I had someone message me. uh, They shot me a tweet before the game tonight and said, hey, I just got a great deal on tickets. Uh, And I guess that must have been shortly before tip-off. But that's what you can do on SeatGeek. You can always see what tickets are available until the very last moment that you can buy those tickets and you're going to, you're going to find a great deal. And that's exactly what they said. They said right before game time, they found a great deal and they could do it at SeatGeek and we can help you make that deal even better with our promo code L O N B A to use our promo code. All you have to do is download the app, go to the settings tab, hit enter a promo code, enter promo code L O N B A. Again, that's L O N B A. And that'll get you a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So go out and do that today. Or if you've already used that, just use SeatGeek to get great tickets. Uh, Obviously uh, that was a a Twitter testimonial today that there's always going to be great tickets, even for the biggest game, one of the biggest games of the year, one of the biggest events of the year, the return to the Mecca, someone was able to find great seats over at SeatGeek. So go out and do that today. Looking at, I mean, just watching the game, it, it was rough. Like, neither neither side was really hitting shots, and uh, the only guys that really seemed to be able to do it was Giannis a little bit uh, for the Bucks, and then Horford and Irving uh, really had pretty nice nights. Uh, Kyrie, 10 of 18, only two free throws, but still 24 and 7 assists, and yeah, it, it was just kind of a, a tough game to watch, and for the Bucks, I think they're going to have to continue to try to figure out ways to get Giannis good looks. Um, but at the same time, I think it, it can be difficult to, to get Giannis good looks. Like he is their best player, um, and you, you can just kind of wall him off at times. And uh, we obviously know that the Bucks' offense doesn't have. A, a ton of movement on the backside. It's normally going to be if there is something happening on the strong side, relatively laid back movement on the weak side. So uh, that can lead to defenders kind of being able to to stand and watch. And I, I know a lot of people will tweet like, "Oh, these are the nights like you can tell that you need Jabari Parker to like be on ball and just go out and get points." The thing that I honestly think about is. How many good looks did Giannis used to be able to find for Jabari cutting? Like, it would just be Jabari. I mean, baseline Bari exists for a reason. Like, that was, <laughs> that was a name for a reason because he can just kind of patrol the baseline. And then when Giannis does get in trouble, get a wall, whatever it may be, he can dish it off. And that is an attack downhill uh, to get to the basket. And the Bucks don't really have that guy right now there's not anyone else that really gets downhill on this team brogdon does from time to time uh tony snell every once in a while will throw in a pump fake and a drive but like chris middleton is a guy that's gonna maybe pump fake take a dribble and take a pull up he's not a guy that gets all the way to the rim like there's just not really another guy on this roster that just gets to the rim and when you look at the celtics like jalen brown can do that jason tatum can do that 
Kyrie Irving can do that. I mean, hell, even Al Horford can do that. Uh, and Terry Rozier can do that to an extent this year. Like, there's a number, even any, I guess even if he's out of control, Marcus Smart can kind of do that. Like, there's a number of guys that can kind of have that game-changing athleticism to get downhill. And with the Bucks, that they just don't really, really have that other guy. So they have to space the floor. And I think really the big thing to me is everyone has to be more willing shooters. Like, there's no more Giannis sees a wall and passes it out to you and you decide up fake and a dribble. No. Shoot it. Every time. Period. Like, Giannis draws enough attention that 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 is a good catch-and-shoot look for you. Like, all these guys, I mean, just looking at maybe Middleton not to the same extent because in the second half, Boston was just essentially face-guarding him anytime action came his way. Uh, But... Maker, never, never pass one up. Like you have to shoot that every time you get it. Brogdon, Snell, Toledovich doesn't have a problem with that. Delhi, <laughs> uh, like any of those guys. If if Giannis kicks it out to you, he's kicking it out to you for a reason. And Giannis has gotten better this year at also keeping that help defender for an extra second. You're open. You have to shoot the ball. Yeah, and I think there 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 have been a bunch of plays where it seems like guys seem to be a bit more cognizant of needing to shoot off catches. Um, you know, I think Malcolm has looked to shoot more. It feels like even Delhi seems to have like a quicker trigger, um, despite the revolutionary war musket issues that we always talk about. Um, and and Chris as well at, at times, but. Again, you know, Chris tonight, one out of three from one out of three from from distance, seven out of 16 from the field, 15 points. Um, You know, he had kind of moments where he looked okay, but he started off slow. Uh, And again, it's just like any if anytime Chris is like turning and fading to like the baseline, you know, going away from basket, it's just like, dude, like you're just, you know, you might as well pull the Sam Cassell, punt the ball into the stands. I mean, okay, I'm exaggerating. But it, it's just like that's that's not that that's not anybody's going to be anybody's definition of like a good end to a possession, you know? Like even if it goes in, it, it's not a good look. And again, he's a guy who when he has smaller guys on him and he can kind of work, especially when he can kind of work to the middle and get sort of those balance, you know, on balance, like, you know, 10 to 15 foot shots. Yep. Okay, that's that's fine, you know. Like that, that's I, I feel confident that Chris can hit those, but you know, too often he then settles for the 19 foot, really off balance fadeaway towards the baseline. And it's just like, you know, that, that's just like a hero ball shot to me. That that it's just like I, I just don't think I don't see the point of that. And tonight, you know, I think Chris struggled kind of more broadly because he also didn't do kind of some of the other stuff. You know, two rebounds, two assists, did pick up a couple steals, but um, a couple of really costly turnovers in the third in the fourth quarter um Giannis also had a couple costly turnovers um and just uh just just frustrating you know because again um Middleton's still kind of trying to find that comfort level and you know not the first time he's had a slow start to a season but um if Middleton can get to the point where you know he's matching Brogdon who you know again came back from the injury 15 points six boards five assists on 12 shots two out of four from three um, just two turnovers, you know, he, he was again, very steady and, you know, all the mo- looks all the more steady because Delhi, you know, just kind of does stuff that, you know, you just, uh, there are just times like in the fourth quarter night where I just felt like, you know, get this dude off the court. I just didn't feel like you were giving yourself a chance to win because again, when the defense is 
picking Giannis out of the game a little bit, like Delhi's Delhi's not bailing you out. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it was so like, disheartening because he made such a great read on that Toledovich pick and pop. Like they iced him to the sideline. He made a great read, picked and popped it. And then the next time down, for some reason, he thought, oh, I did this on the left side. Let me try to do this on the right side. Totally ignored Giannis, cutting down the middle of the lane, just totally missed him. And it was like, dude, come on. You're supposed to be a point guard. You need to be able to make a read of some sort and not just assume that the play you ran on the left side of the floor is going to work on the right side one play later. Like, Defenses are going to adjust and figure out that, oh, that's the look you want to get because that's an easy way for someone who's a little bit slower to avoid a trap and an ice. And you did it once. You don't get to just do it again the next time down the floor. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, that and and Giannis like really wanted the ball coming down the middle of the court and to have Delhi not only ignore him, but to then like just go into a phone booth where he then coughs it up. Um just, just very frustrating decision-making there. The Bucks end up with 18 turnovers. I think that's the most they've had this season. Um, say, other than Delhi, too, like there was a bunch of those tonight. A, a couple, I think two of the ones Giannis had, uh, one or two of the ones Chris had. It was the same type of idea where guys weren't actually making a read. They got in the air and knew that, oh, the last times we played the Celtics, this cut down the middle of the lane was open and we were able to get it. and just threw it blind. And it, it was just like, guys, come on. <laughs> You're NBA players. You have to understand that the other team is going to make adjustments the second time you see them. And there was just so much sloppy play tonight, just just an ugly one from the Bucks. Yeah, and, you know, you kind of look at it. I mean, the Bucks finished 11 out of 25 from three. Um, I think Brogdon, Delhi hit one. Snell hit two big threes yep. as the Bucks were trying to come back in the fourth quarter off uh, dishes from Giannis. You know, the, those are plays. You know, one was the, the, the patented Giannis dribbles into the corner handoff kind of seals the defender for Tony he catch and shoots you know that that play that we've seen a million times and then another play I think it was Giannis I want to say maybe sort of in a post type situation goes cross court to the far corner for for Snell which is you know one of those LeBron type passes that you love to see Giannis recognizing and the Bucks actually taking advantage of and those are obviously a couple big shots to try to get the Bucks back in it um you know they were down double jits at one point but um but, you know, I, I, I want to say, I mean, I don't know how many threes the Bucks hit in the fourth quarter because I think they finished 11 out of 25, which is fine, and it's 44%. You wish they would shoot even more. Um, two from Giannis, two from Snell. Yeah, Snell, and then one each from Brogdon and Delhi, maybe, something like that, six, so. six or so. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, the majority of those threes coming in the fourth quarter when, um, you know, you would have hoped that they could have recognized maybe some of those opportunities earlier. And, um, it, you know, one of the frustrations <laughs> – is uh and i was talking to somebody about this was um you know even brogdon who's who's continues to shoot a very high percentage i mean brogdon and delhi both it's like if they have to shoot from 23 feet 11 inches it's going to be clearly short like (laughs) this is like like i you know like brogdon shoots such a high percentage and yet if he's even a little behind the three-point line and it has to be extended at all he's always short arming it it's like you know he he just can't get it there if it's further out. And obviously we talked about this in his first pre in his first Vegas summer league that you know 
he I didn't think he was even going to be able to I was worried he wasn't going to be able to stretch out to the NBA three point line at all yeah. watching him in yeah. Vegas. And then obviously he he really came around. So that's a big positive. But um, it, it just again, the, the slow release of both these guys and the fact that they have to be really be on the line makes it makes us makes this life more difficult. Right. I mean, if you have a guy that can stand, you know, if you had a guard who could shoot like Toledovic in terms of just being, you know, a few steps behind the line and yeah. still being a threat, um, you know, that would add a different dimension. That's like probably the skill set that I would most love to see in in a guard to replace Delhi is just a guy who was just more kind of an, you know, bit of an, and again, doesn't have to be Steph friggin' Curry, but, um, but just somebody who's a bit more of a threat there. You're just but trying to anyway. manufacture space any way possible. Yeah. And even if it's just an extra foot, like it's so big, like it, it, that takes that defender just that much further away. Uh, and that can be huge for Giannis. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind of, a. A frustrating thing. One thing I was thinking about as we were talking. Delhi shooting a friggin' hook shot from like 14 feet. Was that what you were thinking about? I was not thinking about that. <laughs> I had blacked that out of my memory. Uh, oh, God. Let's scrap the Delhi. I, I mean, I assume it was not intended to just deliver a Delhi hook shot, but it's like Delhi. If they're pushing you up against, I don't care if it's Shane Larkin or a friggin' Oompa Loompa from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The goal is for you not to shoot a contested like hook shot push shot thing. Like that is not the outcome. You have to be smarter than this. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna block it out now. Serenity uh, out. Baseline floppy is dead, right? Dead. I can't. I can't I remember. I, I mean, it. yeah. I mean, I feel like they ran it for obviously Middleton is a guy you always think of them running for. I think they may have run it for Jet at some point. Um, I mean, they like to bring Jet off like curls, but not. I don't think it's really like a floppy action that I can recall. So, so. so for anyone that doesn't know what baseline floppy is, it's the action where you have two guys on the wing. They both go underneath, like down to the block, and then one comes out one way, one comes out the other, and you're going on the baseline and doing a floppy action. Um, that is your baseline floppy. The Bucks used to run it all the time for Middleton. And I guess kind of what I was thinking about as I saw Middleton's three-point numbers is – like the the three point shots he's getting right now are catching catching shoot looks, and they're pretty much I think mostly above the break, and they're mostly uh, when Giannis is kicking out and maybe like a couple extra passes or something. But I just wonder again is that contributing to Middleton's slow start as well that he's not getting some of the looks that he normally gets. Um, obviously he's struggling, and obviously he's had slow starts. Every year he's been on the Bucks. I'm trying to think if it's every year. I know for sure the last two. Uh, you know, I was looking at his stats. Um, he's his career numbers in um, October are like he's hit less than a quarter of his threes or something like that in his career in October. Obviously, that's not that many games. This year is one of like the first year where there's been you know more than like one or two October games. Um, but I was actually surprised. His I think his three point percentage in November in his career is like over 43 percent right, so let's get to november man yeah we got five let's days that... <laughs> let's get to november uh yeah, let's get to it indeed because uh yeah i agree i mean the but i, I don't know i mean like floppy i mean what are you, you're gonna get like a mid-range jump shot out of it yeah, i don't know like I, it... I just think it's always something that like kind of gets him going if that makes sense like that I, and i know sometimes they run like that curl action but i always just thought that that was always something that Middleton's shot looks good in that in that action, if that makes any sense. Like every time he kind of ran that and flared a little bit to the short corner. Again, it's not a three, but it is something that maybe gets him going because I'm just trying to think of ways to get him going. 
because you need uh, another guy. And Brogdon has stepped up admirably, and he's had a number of good games as that number two, three, whatever you want to say, 2A, 2B with Middleton, or 3A, 3B with no true number two. Um, however you want to say it, like Brogdon has been good in that role, and Middleton just, just hasn't been able to get anything going this year. Yeah, I mean, 7 out of 16 is actually relatively good compared to some of the other nights he's had. Um, but, you know, part of the problem is that the Bucks, other than Giannis, didn't get anything going from the foul line either. Yep. Um, you know, they, they were a minus 11 in terms of points from the foul line. Uh, Non-Giannis guys, Giannis was 6 out of 7. Everybody else was 2 out of 7 combined. Um, you know, and, and, and it's tough because as much as we have seen, you know, some nice things from, like, DeAndre Liggins, as a defender on a night like this, you know, no shots. He had a beautiful layup attempt or beautiful pass from Giannis that should have been a fast break layup. He misses it, gets fouled, then misses both free throws. And it's, so it's just like you, you kind of look at, you know, the bench and it's just tough. I mean, again, I'm not, you know, pissed off that they couldn't, you know, just DeAndre Liggins. He's a like end of training camp waiver wire guy. But the bottom line is right now you're playing him real minutes and certainly offensively just trash well should it be though i mean that was the strength of the team last a strength of the team last year i mean think of all the good plus minus lineups i mean it was all like monroe jason terry toledovich you know like i I don't know i mean this year in general i feel like oh they have been bad yeah yeah, yeah. they have been bad yeah and monroe had some good moments tonight against aaron baines because as you were the first to point out like he just for some reason, just always destroys Aaron Baines. I don't know why Aaron Baines isn't like some tiny guy that should get destroyed. Yeah, it's really but, weird. <laughs> but it seems like going back to the last year or two, he's he's really taking it to him. And it seemed like he had it going. And then you look at the box score and four out of eight for eight points, three turnovers. Um, it, it didn't really carry over. And they tried to get Monroe minutes in the fourth um, while Horford was out. And um, you know, the Bucks really, if I recall correctly, just that was not a, a good period for the Bucks when when Boston kind of spread that lead out yeah. to uh, to double digits. And, you know, again, I mean, some of these, it's like Marcus Smart hitting a contested three. It's like or two contested threes. It's like, well, shit, you know, some of the stuff you, you can maybe live with some of the shots. I mean, Smart was two out of ten tonight. But um, but I don't know. It's tough. You look at this box score. You look at the Celtics side of the box score. Horford and Irving play well. And everybody else, Jalen Brown, 2 out of 10. Tatum, just 6 shots, did score 12 points. So he was efficient, but didn't shoot that much. Um, And then it's like Smart, 2 out of 10. Rozier, 2 out of 11. Rozier looked really good in some of the earlier games that they've played. So um, this was absolutely, I mean, this, you know, who knows sort of where this season goes. But um, I think losing games like this against sort of a, Celtics team that's still trying to figure some stuff out, uh, losing even to the Cavs, right? I mean, yeah, they're the Cavs, but um, you look at the lineup they've had uh, and some of the injuries and everything. Um, you know, you, you you lose some of these early games at home against these teams. Um, you know, it kind of offsets the fact that you won that first game in Boston, and who knows what that's going to mean at the end of the year. And, you know, I talked about the other night, like the Bucks have to become a good home team. They're two and two, you know, like they haven't had any cream puffs so far. So you hope that that they can kind of get fat on on the rest of their schedule against the East and everything. But, um, you know, if you're going to go 23 and 18 for the four straight season, you're not going to have you're not going to be a top four seed. You're not going to get home court. And, you know, if you don't win games at home, (laughs) your home court isn't worth as much anyway. So something I've been mulling over is. We've all wanted to see the Giannis usage bump, 
and we're definitely seeing that this year. I'm just curious, and again, the, I, I think at some at some point everyone gets used to it, but is this kind of the transition period we're seeing as everyone figures out how they get their looks and how they need to play with Giannis having the ball more, being the focal point more, um, and being more of the creator? Like, like I don't know that Malcolm Brogdon is struggling with it, but it, it, part of me wonders if everyone else, especially Middleton, Monroe for sure, um, if those guys are kind of trying to figure out how to also get theirs. Does that make any sense? Well, I mean, I, I guess, comp- I mean, it seems like it's all more on the margins though, right? I mean, Middleton still sees the ball a lot offensively, right? It's not like he's just been parked in a corner and just he yeah. just sits around. I mean, you know, um, he's he's not, you know, he, I mean, as you said, it's it feels like he's getting a lot of good catch and shoot looks. So yeah. I don't know why that, you know, that shouldn't be a problem. That's obviously a much better shot for him than than having to create and pull up, you know, off the dribble for three or something like that. But I just wonder if it's different. Like that's not a look that maybe he's as used to get. I don't know. I'm I'm yeah. grasping at well, but, looking for answers. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the interesting thing is the Bucks without Giannis in the court have actually I think been still pretty good, right? Um, you know, it's sort of like the usual trend where um, that we saw last year, where you know the Bucks, for whatever reason, don't really struggle that much um, without Giannis, um, yeah. and it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. But um, you know, and Middleton and Monroe in particular see plenty. I think you know they're seeing, especially because Monroe's not playing that much, um, they're still seeing plenty of time. You know, the the Bucks with Giannis on the bench are plus 9.6 points per 100. That's <laughs> yeah, you, no player if you go purely if you go purely on on off rating, no player is as not important to the Bucks as Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> and again, this is this is the um, you know, this is obviously the the asterisk on plus minus. A, it's very small sample. We're talking about 44 minutes that he's that he's sat. Um, and it's typically obviously been against like second units and stuff like that, but um, but the Bucks' defense has been phenomenal when Giannis hasn't played, and when he has played, they've been, you know, a minus. So um, right now, his on-off net is negative twelve point four in terms of their twelve point four points per one hundred better with him on the bench versus with him on the court. So um, versus Middleton, who's plus twenty six. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe there is something to the point of because they're clearly not as effective with Giannis on the court as they should be. So I think you could say, you know, you could certainly argue that, well, they need to get, they need to sort of sort some things out. But the issue is more probably defensively because um, Giannis's defense, the defense has been the big difference with him on court versus off court. Um, the offense is better with him on the court. So, which obviously makes sense given he's a high usage guy who's incredibly efficient right now. But uh, since, um, I, since we already tweeted about it and people didn't love it when we did, we might as well just hit it. Has Giannis been good defensively this year? Um, I, I feel like he has picked his spots more defensively. Like I, I feel like there are a lot of plays where you kind of think he might come over as a help defender and challenge a shot. And yep. he just, he just kind of pulls out and doesn't. Um, and, you know, again, like he can't be Superman. He can't for sure you know, you get cover for every mistake. Um, but, uh, you know, I, we tweeted about, you know, Kyrie shook him. Well, I mean, I think that that one in the fourth quarter, I don't, I mean, I don't blame that much for that. Kyrie's going to do that to everybody, but there was one in the first half where, I mean, 
it looked like he was in cement basically like he had him on in the corner and you know Kyrie just, just got a complete by. blow by yeah I mean just yeah. not even close and Giannis you know even with his his wingspan wasn't able to recover and obviously we we mentioned Kaminsky getting a blow by on him the other night and dunking past him past him more so than on him um <laughs> yes uh, but that's a fair but, qualifier yeah but yeah I mean you know I, I mean the guy that Giannis was nominally matched up with for much of the game and to, to be clear, Giannis was not defending Horford all the time. Like, I think they had him on Tice for much of the night, in part because, or at least when Tice was in the game, um, in part just because, again, you want Giannis to be able to kind of freelance off the ball a little bit. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, has he been a destroyer of worlds um, in the same way he was last year? I'm not sure. And to be honest, if you are carrying such a huge load offensively, Absolutely. I, I think it's only natural, especially when you're playing a lot of minutes, that you're going to have to really pick your spots defensively. And um, obviously some of these spot, some of the spot picking he's done has been, you know, game winning because that Portland game exhibit a um, had another big block late against Charlotte. So um, it it does seem like he may be having to kind of maybe make some more choices um, in terms of the way he, he plays defensively. Um, But I think it's exert yourself like so much. Like you have to have a a good feeling that, okay, I'm going to be able to get this and make an impact on this one and not just go, for every block um, yeah i don't know it was... and, and teams are and teams are aware of him too you know sure. i mean like Kyrie had him on his back tonight going to the basket and you God, know it was... he's really good at that yeah i mean he did a good job he drew a foul even though Giannis couldn't do you know he basically backed up onto Giannis to draw a foul and it's like you know kind of what are you going to do about it type things yeah. but um you know i think guys are certainly he's not sneaking up on people you know literally and figuratively the way <laughs> the way he perhaps did but it, it bears watching because certainly yeah i mean with him having to physically work hard for so many of his baskets um you know you, there's always going to be a trade-off and again fortunately Giannis is not going to become you know James Harden or, or something <laughs> like that who's like a negative defensively but yeah. uh, but you know I mean this is what this is the challenge for these superstar great players you know the Kawhis and you know earlier LeBron you know more prime LeBron not so much now but you know how do you how do you kind of balance those things how do you play at a really high level defensively while you're also having to carry the load offensively I mean, this is why it's like you know the idea of Giannis also like dribbling the ball up every time. It's like, why? Like, the, like let him you know do something where he doesn't have to be 100 percent engaged all the time. Yeah, you you don't need him to do that. Like, if he gets the pass ahead, okay, that's great. But yeah, absolutely, do that right off so, a miss, off a turnover. Correct. Always look for Giannis. I think the Bucks generally do that. But but yeah, if it's like you know after a made basket and the defense is back, then you know having Giannis dribble up is like. Yeah. And there was like times a night where Horford was like guarding him at the opposite free throw line and like not allowing him to have it. And in my mind, I was like, "What? What do you even care? Like, go down the floor. <laughs> you you don't need to bring it up. Like somebody else yeah. can do that, and you can try to get a, a different look there." But um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun week or two here. As uh, I don't want to say everyone wasn't aware in these first five games about what Giannis could do. But I do think there was maybe a little bit of a surprise at how much the usage jumped, the ways that he was getting to the basket, uh, the ways that teams were covering him. Because I think it, even just looking at the Celtics the first time around, it was, okay, we'll, we'll, gar- we'll try to get him with wings because, you know, he's a wing. Well, that's what, that's what we'll use. Well, no, that's not going to be enough. Um, and I think we've seen some teams now start to move centers onto him, and I don't know. It's going to be 
the, the Bucks have a number of adjustments to to continue making as the season goes on, uh, and I think moving to a more Giannis centric offense was an adjustment in, in itself. So uh, it's going to be a fun couple weeks to see kind of how this all develops and the groove that they get into um, as they try to figure everything out because it, th- these are major changes, um, and then to your major changes, you're going to have to make adjustments. So uh, we'll see what the Bucks can do there. Anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, I wanted to say somebody asked me if Thon seemed less willing to shoot threes. I don't know if he seems less willing to shoot threes. I just think that all of us kind of want him to have like a, I don't know, like a 12 three-point attempts per 36 minutes like rate to his three-point shooting because – I think we all kind of get excited by just Thon being out there and, and shooting threes because that's the cool thing that Thon does. Um, and also, I don't want to say stop tweeting me Thon should play more, but I think it's pretty obvious at this point the Bucks aren't going to take him much more over 20 minutes, right? Like Unless he's closing, I don't think he goes up over 20 minutes all that, all that often this season. I, I don't know. I mean, we, we've got what? 77 games left so sure. who knows right i mean um if there's a trade that that could certainly change things um i, I think the I biggest problem them, you really do think that if they were if they had a trade that don would get those more minutes well if, if monroe's gone right um i mean i, no, I, I think I, i'm i'm not as convinced as you are well i mean it depends who's coming back right i mean if like they trade monroe and they don't get a I don't know. If they don't get a center back, then how can Thon not play 20 minutes? I mean, you, Henson's, Henson's not going to play 30, is he? <laughs> like, I, um, I really I really do think the Bucks in their developmental plan for Thon think he shouldn't play more than 20 minutes a night. Well, that could be, but um, I mean, right now he's, he's at, let's see, um, he's played 64 in f- four games coming in tonight, so 16 per game. Um, I mean, he hasn't really done much. So I think yeah. part of it's also like Thon has to go out and actually do stuff. He came into this game shooting yeah. 32% from the field and, you know, not rebounding. And, you know, so at some point he has to also you just don't show get improvement. Sake of minutes, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, maybe Thon can expect to get, you know, 14 or 15 minutes just by showing up. But um, he's got to, I think, prove that, you know, he can play at a at an improved level too i mean right now he's not close to you know the efficiency numbers last year i mean last year he was shot you know 56 percent true shooting this year he came in tonight at 43 yep. percent um you know he's not offensive rebounding he doesn't defensive rebound i mean you know he he's just basically an active well moving defender i mean he's hit three out of nine two pointers yep. um so he has to figure out a way to 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 do stuff on the court, <laughs> like, and right now he's just not doing much of anything. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say that. He, I mean, he's an active defender, um, you know, and I think there's value to that. Um, I, I, I w- I'd want to check. I'd be curious to see how they rebound with him on the court because, um, again, he doesn't personally grab many defensive rebounds, which is not a good sign. But yeah. um, it, that doesn't always correlate with the team rebounding really poorly. Um, so I don't know. So I think I mean if 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 the baseline is Thon not doing that much is worth fifteen minutes a game. Um, I don't know. I um, mean if he actually what's the ceiling for Thon doing things? Yeah, like if he does stuff, then, <laughs> then then I'd hope that he could get you know twenty minutes per game if he actually did some stuff. But um, 
you know, I, I think that's the the thing is he he just doesn't know how to really impact games other offensively other than um, by catching and shooting threes, which isn't necessarily a, a big deal. I mean, that's the single most valuable thing he can do on a team that's based around Giannis. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, like the good players find other ways to, to impact the game, whether it's, you know, being crisper in your passing or screening, um, grabbing some offensive rebounds, you know, all this kind of stuff. And um, his activity doesn't really translate into much other than, than spot up threes, at least offensively at this point. You know, he doesn't, you know, like the idea that he's going to be a rim runner. He's not a rim. I mean, we talked about it. Like he probably shouldn't be a rim runner in the sense that he should probably be popping to, to create space. Um, but he was terrible at running to the rim anyway. He's not strong enough to finish in traffic. Um, so, you know, even as a garbage man, I'd say he's well below average right now. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, anybody expecting kind of just the magical leap? I mean, I, I think, you know, summer league and now early in the season here, we're seeing that, that uh, it, it hasn't happened yet. Hopefully it does. But, um, you know, again, not to say he shouldn't be starting or he shouldn't get more minutes because um, he does complement Giannis and, and obviously the, the entire team pretty well. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully better things ahead. All right. That is going to be it for us for tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks lose 96-89. By, by the way, wait, one more one more question. What was it like in the arena? I, I could not really get a read from TV as to like what – kind of the vibe was like in the arena it seemed like people who were tweeting from the game were very excited about just the general atmosphere but i don't know i mean what how would you compare just the game environment versus a a typical night at the bc or or, you know one of the previous games you've been to this year at the bc uh that was not a regular season game that was something different um I, i thought people were really excited to be there uh, a couple times unprompted cheers. Obviously, the ref you suck, uh, followed by sarcastic clapping after a Jason Tatum uh, travel was was pretty much fun uh, in the fourth quarter. Obviously, it was more the Bucks that were sucking than the refs, but still, uh, just kind of a, a fun atmosphere. Uh, super cool just to see one the court. Uh, like as I was getting ready for the game and took a picture of the court, I was like, that's. That's really cool. It's just a, a cool thing to see, um, and it's a quaint atmosphere. Like there's no upper bowl. You're fitting in eleven thousand people, and it was packed. And you're just kind of all on top of the game. Like I was, I was near the tippy top of the arena, right underneath like the TNT camera well, and I enjoyed my seat. Like it, it was, it was still a good look. So, um, like we were saying the other night, if you had tickets anywhere in the arena you had a good seat uh and i I thought it was a lot of fun obviously it would have been way more fun uh if the bucks won 96 89 instead of lost 80 96 89 uh if they could have pulled it out would have been really fun and uh you can kind of just tell everyone was just kind of hoping for that moment where they could kind of lose it and get themselves back in it and uh help the team get back in it but that that time just never came tonight and so it goes. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if they would ever consider doing this again. Obviously, the 50th anniversary is kind of a one-time singular thing, but um, we'll be interesting to see. I, I guess the novelty of a, an old arena may lose its luster next year when you're in a brand new one. But um, but anyway, it sounded like it, people had a great time other than the results. So, um, you know, at, at, if nothing else, certainly a, a great idea and concept for the Bucks to 
to try. And I think, I you know, a lot of people, especially fans who had been to games in the Mecca and were fans of the team in the 80s, I know it meant a lot to to those people to be able to kind of pay tribute to that. Did I mean, did they have, was anybody, inter- was anybody kind of interesting there from like, was there sort of any like historical Bucks stuff no, that, that kind of happened? There was not. I'm assuming that's going to happen kind of the rest of the season as yeah. they do different nights. And I'm assuming they're going to wear these throwback jerseys a couple more times this year. Right. Um, so I would assume on those nights there will be more. But uh, no, it was just uh, Johnny Mack coming out and uh, kind of getting the crowd going to start the game. I think Michael Red was in the building. Uh, that might just be yeah. because his schedule allowed for him uh, to be there. Uh, but yeah, there was not uh, like a, a celebration, a reunion of the the team from '68 or anything like that. But I would assume that's going to happen the rest of the year as they do more of these 50th anniversary celebrations. Yeah, I mean, it would have been obviously amazing if if Kareem and and Oscar had you know stepped out of the tunnel and uh, I don't even know if there is a tunnel uh, stepped out onto the court at the outset or something like that. But um, you know, who knows? Kareem's probably like writing a mystery novel or something somewhere so <laughs> we'll probably see him at some point this year though all right that's gonna be it for us bucks lose 96 89 man the intro of lockdown bucks is not gonna make a lot of sense tonight no uh but that's okay just it'll help you remember happier times Giannis goes for 28 10 rebounds seven assists three steals Middleton and Brogdon go for 15 apiece. Brogdon added six rebounds and five assists. That's going to be it for us. This has been Locked on Bucks, brought to you by SeatGeek. Use the promo code L-O-N-B-A. Again, that is L-O-N-B-A for Locked on NBA to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Or just head over to SeatGeek to get a great deal on tickets. That was Frank. I'm Eric. This has been Locked on Bucks. We will talk to you later.